Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's lift our voice and invite the presence of God here. Would you just worship Him? Lift your hands and lift your voices. Hallelujah. We magnify you, almighty God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. We glorify you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen, amen, amen. We want to bring our attention to the book of Genesis today. Genesis, we want to read here. Just, uh, I've learned, we learned through repetition. I will be somewhat redundant, um, but move forward into the, the message which I bring, believe to bring to you today. And um, let's look at Genesis chapter 2, reading with verse 9, just to remind us going back all the way to the first, um, uh, the first day of this series. Next week's going to be awesome. We're going to have a, a panel um, with our guest speaker, Brother, Brother Huck, Sister Natalie, and um, Jason Huckabee. We're so thankful for them going our marriage weekend. And uh, it's going to be an awesome weekend. But there needs to be an emphasis on the family. There is an attack on families. There's an attack on families. There's an attack on men. There's an attack on women. There's an attack on marriage. I mean, no, it's true. And if you're not under attack, you know somebody that is under attack. Trying to change women, trying to change men. The moral decay. And uh, we, we've got to have the Word of God. The Word of God brings life. It brings clarity. It brings direction. We've got to have a move of His Spirit. Come on, His Spirit speaks life into us. Aren't you glad that we have a move of the Spirit of God in our church services? God, be thankful for that. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So this time of year, we're going to really enjoy this verse. He wants you to get out and enjoy creation. The changing of the trees. How many know they're beautiful? It's good for the soul. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which cometh pass, uh, uh, which compasseth the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of the land is good. And there is Bedellium and Onyx Stone. And the name of the second river, Gihon. The same is, is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third river is Hadekel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. This is the first home of all of scripture, of all of mankind. It was the garden of Eden. Uh, it was the first home. It's the first family. It was here that the scripture says 
Verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them unto Adam to see what he would, what? He gave Adam the power to name. He gave him power to speak. When he created him, he didn't just create a corpse on the ground breathing life and, and Adam is just a guy that, that barbecues and fishes, hunts, builds things. He gave him the power to name. He put it in him to name. And watch what it says. It says, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Whatever he called it, God called it. Whatever he named it, it's what it was. Y'all hear, Pastor? There's power in the spoken word. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, the fowl, the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found. It talks about a help meeting. God took a rib. and I'm not going to read all that. And, but, but he took a rib and he made woman. And the Bible says... When verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. He brings Eve to Adam in his home in the Garden of Eden. And Adam said, everybody say, he spoke. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. He named her woman. I know later you're going to find he named her Eve. But he called every female on the planet. Listen, some of you have cats and I feel sorry for you. But they have names. For all of us dog lovers in the building, it's amazing to have the microphone. Now, don't, let's not have a church split. I'm just teasing here. Yeah. We have a dog named Tom because his owner's named Sawyer. So We have a new dog that we thought, you can be seated. We have a new dog, his name Arlo, he's a golden doodle. We thought we were getting a mini. At six months, he's 60 pounds. His name's Arlo. He was naming every female woman. He called the woman later Eve. That was her name. But for every female, he was saying, woman, I, I want you to look at, if there's a lady beside you, I want you to say, hi, woman. Now, now I'm picking up where I left off here. So if, if, if I stopped calling her Cindy and said, hey, woman, I'm not getting any mashed potatoes with my spaghetti. The term woman has become, matter of fact, female has, has become a word that's not valued as it should be. True. Um, women are not valued like they used to be. They are sold as, as less than. Not important, important. They, they're, they're not portrayed in the context of Scripture. 
and uh, abuse and things that goes on with women. To think one statistic says one in four women have been molested as children. One in four. Um, men don't see them from the context of Scripture, and it's a big problem. It's a big problem. They're not lovers. They're not just supposed to be an object. They are what's missing in a man's life. A man without a woman is incomplete. Matter of fact, I quote the Lord and said, It is not good for a man that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. She is to be valued. She's to be appreciated. She's to be celebrated. And your life's not fulfilled without her. Let the church say amen. I, I, I've already dealt with father absence. I've, I've dealt with men being absent. But um, uh, she's not your cook. She's not your house cleaner. She's not just the mother of your children. To every man in this room, listen to pastor. She is everything that you need. She is, she is what, what God did not put in you. When, when Adam was in the garden, he's alone and all he has is paradise. I mean, he's, he, he's got, listen, for all you fishermen, he's got rivers in every direction. He's got trees. He's got animals. He's got everything there. And the only thing that he has in the garden is the presence of the word. He's got the presence of God. God is speaking to him. God's hands on his life. Literally, the hand of God is on his life. He's in the presence of God. And the Lord says, it's not good. He needs to help me. You know what he was saying? Men, you're not good enough. There's something missing in you. I didn't design you to be alone. I didn't design you to be by myself. Oh, pastor, but Paul said... Paul asked permission to make the statement, but it was not God's plan for a man to be alone. It was not God's plan for a man to be unmarried. It was not God's design. Boy, you're getting nervous. Amen. And when he made Adam, he made him with a plan to create a woman from him, remove from him the rib, designed her, and when Adam wakes up and looks at, at what we know as Eve, which when he sees her, he says, she shall be called woman. That is to every female in the world. She shall be called woman. That What he was saying was, you are everything that I need in this life. What I do not have, you have. What's missing in me, you have in my life. You complete me. I'm incomplete without you. It's not good to be absent from you. What he was saying is, you're the queen. It was the highest compliment in the world to call her woman. That word woman, you can't even separate the word woman from wife in etymology. The word woman comes from the word with man. It means wife. She was designed to be a wife. She was designed to be a helpmeet. She was designed to be helpful. And a woman is, is no more valued than when she feels like she's making a difference. 
Did you hear, Pastor? When you say woman, you're saying what Adam said. He was giving her the highest compliment. I need you in my life. We need you in our home. We need you in our church. And I say to every lady in the building, in the American, la in the, in the American language, we call you woman. What we are saying to you, our church is not good without you. Our home is missing without you. We need you in our families. We need you in our children's life. I'm glad to see men standing right now because, hey, lady, we need you. Your value, you bring something to the table a man can never bring to the table. You bring something to the church a man can never bring to the church. You bring something to the home a man can never bring to the home. Somebody say amen. When a woman walks in the room and and she puts, his, she puts her, her touch to it. Can you imagine? You ever been in a bachelor's house? It's a mess. Oh, you men know what I'm talking about. And deep down, every woman knows that a man needs her in his world. It's not arrogance. It's fact. They know you're chaos without them. But what happens in a marriage, what happens in a family is that men and the fallen nature of Adam, I've told you to be passive. The truth of the matter is the fallen nature of Adam was to be silent. And when, it, and when Eve shows up with the fruit, because somebody's going to be talking to her. And when the serpent came in and was having conversations with her, she was so powerful in her first delivery because God did not tell Eve, you can't take of the fruit. God did not tell Eve. He told the head of the house. He told Adam. He told the priest of the home. He told the man in the house. He told him already when he put him in the garden, he commanded him. He didn't give him an option. He said, now listen, all the trees you can have. But he commanded him, do not Take of that tree for the day you take of that tree, you are going to die. The, the serpent shows up in the, in, the, in, in the home. He starts having conversations. And my thoughts right now is, Adam, why aren't, you, why aren't you telling this spirit, this serpent, to get out of your house? Because whatever you say, God's going to back it up. You've already heard me teach that. You know why I feel a little bit of opposition? Because we have fallen into the trap of the enemy to not think we are who we are supposed to be as men. You've been degraded. You've been pushed down. You've been told that there's this equality, that, that, that you don't have to say anything. You don't have to be a man. But I'm going to tell you, in a church where we have about 50% men, you need to open up your mouth and stand for what God said. We need men that can quote Bible verses. Come on, I know, I know you like the Big Ten and Buckeye sports and football, but we need men that can say, Thus saith the Lord. In the book of Psalms it says, in the book of Acts, we need men that can quote the word. Every man in this building, jump to your feet and shout hallelujah. We need an army of men that aren't just churchgoers, but they're Bible quoters. Thus saith the Lord. 
And when the serpent shows up, he said nothing. When the serpent shows up, he's quiet. When the serpent is talking to his wife, he says absolutely nothing. I said it two weeks ago. All he had to do was say Satan. All he had to do was say serpent. He had already named it. Divination is what it means in a root word. Something's not right about that in my house. Something's not right about that creature. He could have said, serpent, get behind me. Get out of my house. But he didn't. He said nothing. When she shows up, when she shows up with the, with the fruit, and she had already taken of it, and there's juice on her mouth, she, is, she knows exactly what the tree of the knowledge of. She was deceived because of his silence. She was deceived, not because that she's a terrible, terrible human being, because it's that female. Right later, when, he, when God shows up and said, they got fig leaves. I mean, can you imagine God showing up and you got a fig leaf outfit? Imagine if you were Adam and the Lord said, Adam, come on. Why are you looking like that? You took of the tree, didn't you? He said, it's that woman. It was that perfect that you brought. It didn't stop Adam from getting cursed because when she brought it to him, he knew better. God had spoke to him. She had already told the serpent. What she was saying was this. My husband said, we're not allowed to take. She said, God said. Because when he showed up, he said, half God said. He looks to her, half God said. God, she didn't hear it from God. She heard it from him. She believed that he heard the voice of God in her family. And she told the serpent, well, God said that if you take the tree, you're going to die. God said, she was saying, my husband heard the voice of God in our home. And then she, he, he injects this, this, this seed into her. And he said, but won't you not be less one of the gods? With wisdom, he made her feel, are you ready? Like something was missing in the garden. He made her feel that there's something not being shared. He made her feel as if she was less than what she could be. And when the serpent was making her not feel fulfilled and valuable, Adam said nothing. All he had to do was say, woman, you are everything God designed you to be. And I'm going to tell you why families fail. I'm going to tell you why people fail. It's because when the enemy comes in, they don't have a voice that opposes the voice of the serpent. And when they are feeling less than and without, you can take every sin and pull it back to a point of seed that says, somebody didn't do me right. Somebody kept something from me. Somebody didn't treat me the way. Somebody offended me. Somebody kept something from me that I should have had. He should have loved me more. They, they should have treated me better. Somebody should. And we can go back to every root of sin and find there was a moment that you felt like there was something kept from you. And what he should have done is said, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, woman. He didn't call her Eve until after the fact. He didn't call her Eve until after the curse. But he, what you'll find is he, show, he should have said, woman, listen, we've got everything we need. God is here. That devil is a liar. You don't need to listen to that voice. You are valuable to me. I can't not do that. Could I tell you, men, you need to start complimenting and praising the wife that God's given you. You children ought to compliment and praise the mother. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, if I am your pastor, because I only pastor by permission. If I tell somebody to do something, they don't do it, I'm not their pastor. 
But I'm going to tell all you young men, I better never hear of you saying to your mom, I hate you. I'm coming after you right now with the Bible. Amen. I'm going to beat you over the head with the word of God. Praise God. I better never hear of you, you speaking negative down to your mother. Because I promise you, if the devil comes into the home, he's not going to the man. When he comes in the home, he's going to try to come to the wife, mother first. He's coming in. If that's biblical principle, that's where he came. He started with the person that heard that was under authority first. He come to the person that was under authority, trying to make her feel not valued, not enough, not good enough. And every lady in this room knows that I am telling you the truth. You feel beat down, trod down, not valued, not appreciated. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible values you. God values you. The church values you. Every man in this room, we value you. Come on, we value you, mother. We value you. We appreciate you. Jesus, Jesus made this statement. I won't read it because I didn't have it, have it written down. But Jesus is teaching his disciples and they made this statement. They said, they, they, they told the Lord, they said, increase our faith. Everybody say increase our faith. In, increase our faith in who? Increase our faith in him. Increase our faith in God. And the Lord, the Lord stops for a minute and he makes this statement. And he says, if a, if a master has a servant, somebody that works for him, and uh, he comes in, and this guy's on the payroll. He comes in, and he's worked all day, and he sits down at dinner, and the servant comes in the house, and he says to the servant, he said, fix me something to eat, and then you can have something to eat. He said, and that servant who's worked all day comes in and prepares for the boss, prepares for the master, and he gives him his food, and then he goes out and prepares his own meal, and he says, does that master or that boss say thank you? Thank you for fixing my meal. He said no. You know why? Because it's expected of the servant to take care of him. You know why? Because expectation comes with an attitude instead of gratitude. Boy, it is quiet in this room. I expect the meal to be done. I expect the house to be clean. I expect the kids to be clothed. I expect their hair to be fixed. And they do all of these things it's like the one lady that's decided not to clean the house for one day. And when the, when the husband came home, he said, what have you done all day? She said, nothing. Stuff was upside down, cereals on the couch. Are y'all with me right now? It's like that song about Mr. Mom. And he, she comes home and there's gum on the seat. There's, are y'all, y'all with me? And what I'm saying is, is that when you expect somebody to do something, the natural thing to do is to not value it and appreciate it. Y'all making me nervous right now. Expectation comes with attitude instead of gratitude. And so he leads them from that, that parable, that story, and he goes right down and ten lepers shout out, Master! Master! They call them ten lepers. Will you heal us? And he just says, go show yourself to the priest and you'll be healed. Ten lepers heard the word of the master and they go on their way. And they're healed on their way. When they find themselves healed, go to the priest. The priest looks at their scabs. The law of Leviticus uh, 14, they see that they're no longer. They go back to their homes. Only one out of the ten come back and fell on his knees and worshiped him and said, thank you. 
You know why? Because they knew he could do what they needed him to do. They expected him to heal them when you study it. But when they got their miracle, because the highest, listen, the highest level of faith is expectation. No faith, little faith, great faith, perfect faith, expectation. But the problem with expectation is when you expect God to do it, you show no appreciation. Only one out of ten returned and said thank you. But when he returned and said thank you, he wasn't only healed, he was made whole. He got his nose back, he got his thumb back, he got his feet back. Whatever was missing from the disease was back. And I'm going to tell you right now, every man in this room, how hard is it to look at your wife and say Thank you for dinner. Thank you for clean clothes. Thank you for what you bring to the house. Thank you for decorating the fall. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to tell you what us men need. We need a good baptism of appreciation. Don't answer. It's a rhetorical question. When's the last time you thanked your mother? When's the last time, ladies, you thanked your mom? When's the last time you thanked your dad? When you th or is it the feeling that you make them feel they can never give you enough, do enough, bring enough, love enough, care enough. And the conversation that typically happens in an established family that, that is there is you get used to the person that you used to iron your clothes to see, put a breath mint in, now you're old skunk breath. It's quiet, but I'm hitting home right now if I've ever hit home. When you started dating and you were trying to win her, you did everything you could to impress her. But in 20 years, 25 years, 10 years, 15 years, she's just another object in the house. And I'm going to tell you, that has to stop in every family. You say, Pastor, it doesn't apply to me. Well, we have to be careful or it will apply to us. You have to, you have to become a praiser. Praiser is not just something we give to God. A true praiser is not just something that you do at church. A praiser is a praiser. It's not something you do. It's who you are. Thank you. You look pretty today. I like that outfit. Man, the house looks so good. I appreciate who you are. Thank you for loving our kids. You're so faithful. I'm so glad you go to church with me. I love the way you lift your hands in church. I like the way you fix your hair. I'm telling you, we've got to get that a part of us. Come on, men, I wish there was a man to jump up and shout, Amen, Pastor, Amen, Amen, Amen. Come on, clap your hands. There's power in being a woman. There's power in being a woman. It's God's design. He came to the earth through the womb of a woman. He chose, the Bible says that the the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She conceived and brought forth the Son and called his name Jesus. Eternity of every single person in the world for billions of people was placed in a family, cared and nourished and guarded in the hands of a woman. And I said it last week and I'll say it again. When Jesus referred to his mother, he did not call her woman. He did not call her Mary. He said at the first miracle when she said, Jesus, they're out of wine. I mean, he was used to her bossing him around. Because women are bossy. 
You're not offended. You know it's the truth. You've got to zip. Come on. I don't know if I struck a nerve or just telling the truth. And men, right now, you better be silent. Amen. That's one moment you say absolutely nothing. Jesus, they're out of wine. He said, woman. He didn't say, mama. He said, woman, what do I have to do with thee? And she turns from him and says, whatever he says to do, do it. Because she knows who he is. And he knows, she knows he values who she is. When he was saying woman, he was not putting her in a category of just anybody. He was saying, you are everything I've ever needed in motherhood, in companionship. What was, listen, missing in me. Oh, you mean Jesus has something missing in him? Yep, he was the second Adam. That's why he hungry. He was thirsty. He was weary with his journey and sat on a well. And when he said woman, it was the greatest compliment he could ever give anybody. My personal opinion is that Joseph was dead at that moment. Joseph is not in his life. The only parent that he has at this moment is his mother. And he is telling her what nobody else can tell her. He is saying, woman, you are valuable to me. He's hanging on the cross. One of the last statements that he makes, hanging on the cross, and I said it last week, but he's hanging on the cross. He can't die when she's sitting there wanting him to live. He cannot die when she's begging him. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Jesus, Jesus, no. Jesus, no. Her other children don't even believe in Jesus. You know that? Her children do not believe in Jesus which means they don't believe she was a virgin birth. He was born of a virgin birth. Study it. Facts. They did not believe on him until he was resurrected. That's why they show up in the upper room with Mary and receive the Holy Ghost. Come on. And James later writes one of the most powerful books of all the New Testament. His brother because they witnessed the resurrection. But when she was standing there believing in him and others weren't believing in her, when he said, Mother, behold thy son, son, be, excuse me, he said, Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother, he was saying, You're the greatest. You're the most valued. You're everything I've ever needed, Mom. You're the most valued. Everything I needed in a mother. You were in my life in 33 and a half years. He wasn't degradating her. He wasn't bringing her down by calling her woman. He said, you are a great wife to my dad. You're a great mother to me because everywhere I've been weak, you've been strong. Everything I've needed, you've had prepared. Are y'all getting what pastor's preaching today? I'm telling you, men, you want to turn the family around. You look at your wife and say, you are a woman. You look at her, you're such a lady. You look at her, I so value you and who you are and what you bring to the table. I promise you, when you begin to open your mouth and tell her that she's appreciated, she will become everything you've ever wanted her to become. But if you remain silent, she's going to be inadequate, insecure, unaccomplished, and it's very possible it will lead to sin. Why? Because the husband was silent. Everybody that should value her was silent. 
boy, it is quiet. Open up your mouth and value her. Sin did not come to the earth because of Eve. It came by the disobedience of Adam. When she took the fruit, nothing happened. When he took the fruit, the curse came. Eyes were opened. Shame opened up in there. I'm going to tell you right now, we're living in a generation since the 1940s that has devalued the women and the men. And it's caused much chaos and separation because people don't value one another. I'm preaching what I feel. So Jesus walks into a church just like this. Are y'all ready? Jesus walks into a church just like this in the book of John. In the book of John chapter 13, excuse me, the book of Luke chapter 13 verse 11. I want you to, I want you to turn your Bibles there. I want you to see this. My, I feel like shouting. I really do. I feel like worshiping God today. I'm so glad for the ladies of our church. Where would we be without the ladies in our church? I'll put it this way. Where would we be without the women in this church? I want you to shout, I value the women in the church. I want you to look at your spouse, men, and I want you to say, I value who you are. Won't you look back at him and say, thank you. Don't say it's about time. You need to keep your mouth shut. Amen. I really feel this. You young people, how dare you make your parents feel not good enough? You young men, how dare you make them feel it's not good enough? We've got to start changing our verbiage against the culture. Do you realize the church is now the counterculture? Y'all too silent when I'm preaching this way. Do you realize we are the counterculture? Counterculture is to not get married, just live together, have sex before marriage. Jump to somebody else and be with them. Jump to somebody else and be with them. Jump to somebody else and be with them. That is the new culture, but that's not biblical culture. Come on. It's a new culture for men to be effeminate. It's a new culture for women to be masculine, but it's not Bible culture. When he said you're a woman, he said you're feminine. Come on now. And I come to preach to you that there's chaos and spirits that move in when there's silence from the man. But you give me a pastor that'll preach the truth, he'll run every devil out of the garden. He'll run every devil out of the home. He'll run all the chaos out. Of... Give me a man that'll speak up. Come on, give me a man that'll speak up. Give me a woman that'll quote Bible. Give me somebody that'll get the word of God in their home. Jesus walks into the synagogue, a Jewish building. He gets in there in Luke 13 and 11. He is teaching. The Bible says in verse 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a what? Somebody shout woman. Which had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years. And was Bowed together. She was like a palsy, drawn up, hunched over, and could in no wise lift up herself. She couldn't encourage herself. She couldn't get up by herself. She was as down as you could imagine, drawn in, 
And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Others just maybe mocked her. She's less than. But when he saw her weak, unable to lift up herself, dependent on others, he said, come here. Come to me. He didn't see less than. He didn't see crippled. He saw some woman influenced by a spirit that did not belong in her, in her home, in her life. And the first thing he says when, he, when she came to him, he said unto her what? Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. What he was saying is, I still see you at the top. I still see you as the queen bee. I see you as I designed you to be from the garden. You've got all of this quality, but the problem is there's a spirit in your life. So woman, be loosed of the spirit that's been causing you to feel less than. Be loosed from the spirit that's caused you not to do what I've, I've made you to do. Be loosed from the... I come to say to some woman, uh, be loosed of your infirmity. Be loosed of the attack of the enemy. Be loosed from the devil that's been in your life. Be loosed. I come to tell some lady, be who God called you to be. Be who God wants you to be. Just jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout unto the Lord. Woo! There's a healing for every lady. There's a healing for every woman. There's a healing for every person. All you counselors in the building, listen to the pastor. There's so much counseling right now. Most of it that I see is with a lot of ladies. Attack on their mind, their spirit, their confusion. There's an attack on that. And I'm telling you, if you could just see those women, how God sees those women. He's moved, and I believe in the end time revival, he's going to say to them, come to me. I've got something to tell you. You might have been abused as a children, as a child, but come to me. You might have had somebody that cheated on you, but come to me. You might have had a daddy that walked out of your life, but come to me. You had somebody that introduced you to drugs after they fornicated with you and took your virginity as a young age, but come to me. Somebody gave you substances that should have never been in your body, but come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a great revival among the women. He's saying, come. Come, come to me. Come on, some man didn't value you, but he said, come to me. The voice, the second Adam, the one that would not change the name of what Adam named her. But aren't you glad that Adam in the garden named you? There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. We can't have revival without you. We can't be fulfilled. Is there anybody that believes what I'm preaching right now? We got to get back to appreciation. Come here, Lakin. Come here, Jillian. 
the name of Jesus. If all they ever hear if all they ever hear is criticism from the voice of the Father they're going to grow up feeling like they're never good enough. But they hear come to me. Come over here and give me a hug. I say that. Did I ever say that? I'm a hugger. Sorry. I love you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. The hand of the Lord is upon you. You're not going to fail. You're going to thrive. God's hands on your future. His hand is on your life. I trust you hearing the voice of God. Oh, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. Now, you're not better than everybody. There's a whole bunch of people better than both of you. And that's a problem. We get into flattery instead of truth. You're the best on the team. You're the best in the church. Nobody's, there's always somebody better. If you tell your kids they're the best and they're better, they're going to grow up living in comparison. And as soon as somebody does something better than them, they're going to get jealous. They won't be able to appreciate. When that person gets the award, they can't clap their hands and say, I'm so happy for you. You know why? Because, hold on a minute, my dad said I was better than everybody. I've never asked y'all to be the best. I asked you to be your best. And when you're your best, it's good enough. Ladies, before you say yes to him in engagement, watch how he talks to his mom. And if he talks bad to his mother, he's going to double talk bad to you. Did you hear, Pastor? He's foul in the mouth to his mother. He's going to degrade you. You have to live with a jerk your whole life. Pastor, you're strong. Somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to man up and teach the truth. If she's got a slight tongue to her daddy and her mama, she's going to cut you with razor blades. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. If you're going to be silent, be silent when it's criticism. But do not be silent when it comes to praise. Well, I don't want them to get the big head. They're not, they're not getting the big head. There's enough devils speaking at them. There's enough culture coming against them. You know what they need? They need some opposing voices of confidence and love and greatness. You're a woman. You're a woman. You're a woman. You're a woman. You're valued. Come on, clap your hands and praise him today. Thank God for the women of the church. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, praise Him for a moment. The Holy Ghost is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I want every man to keep your mouth shut. I want the ladies to lift up your voice and begin to praise Him. Come on, I want you to lift Him aloud. Hallelujah. 
Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this church. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this church. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. One more time, let's thank God for all the ladies. Amen. Go get those good-looking children of yours and bring them back to the house of God for family worship. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.